This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Mixing Music Podcast is proud to say that we have a lot of free resources outside of the actual podcast. Visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash links to find access to our free PDFs and free resources. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to Mixing Music. I am your host, DK, and today I wanted to give a part two about compression and EQ. That was a rhyme. I did not mean to do that, um, but oh well, you're cursed now. Um, I want to talk about EQ and compression, um, number one, because it was, it's been my most played episode so far, so obviously y'all like to hear more of that stuff. Um, number two, it has come to my attention, the more I think about it, the more I see it, um, with the me- feedback that y'all, the mixes they all send me for feedback um, through emails um, from interns, from college students at the local nearby university, from friends, um, I see a lot of the same mistakes. And the reason why I bring up EQ and compression is not because EQ and compression is bad. In fact, it's really great. And it's such an amazing tool. You can sculpt the sound so much. With just those two things, you can almost do everything that you would ever need, right, Uh, in most of a mix. Um, Two things are happening here. One, I think that it's being used wrong and sometimes where it's being focused on the wrong frequencies as far as EQ goes or you're compressing things that don't need to be compressed. Um, As a reference to that, please go back to my earlier episode about referencing. Um, But I would also like to point out the idea that a lot of these issues, for example, specifically the relationship with the kick drum and the bass, that is a very common question that people get, and I could do its own episode about it ten times over and people would still have questions about it. There's no direct answer to it. There's just different techniques and different ideas. But I'd like to throw in the idea that most of the time, dare I say 85 to 90% of the time, a lot of these mixed decisions and not fixes, but enhancements can be made without an EQ or a compressor. I think that a lot of times people will immediately grab for an EQ or compressor to fix things, as would be the natural option, uh, the most basic of tools. But before you do that, really, how do you get the kick drum and the bass drum to work together? Sometimes it's just raising up the kick drum. Sometimes it's just lowering the bass. Sometimes, honestly, if you're wondering about glue, how to make things sound uniform and feel like it's coming out of the same thing, or how does it make it feel together? Like, how do you make the individual microphones of a drum kit sound like it's one drum kit instead of a snare drum mic and a kick drum mic? And I know that you're thinking the same thing, Steve. I know that there's a Steve listening right now, and you're wondering, why does my drums sound like a bunch of separate mics and not together, right? And how can I get it to glue 
All right, Steve, this is for you. I have no idea if there is a Steve listening to right now that has that same question, but just in case, I'm here to freak you out. Okay, I think most of that will actually be fixed still with just the volume and some simple panning maybe. Um, I really do believe in this in the sense that one way of looking at this is that Leslie Brathwaite that I often talk about on this episode, he does not use any master bus compression or EQ, meaning that he expects it to sound a certain way without needing that. And sure, that's just his process. It's not the right answer. I mean, for me, putting stuff on my mix bus is part of my sound. If they said, if a client said, send me an unmastered version, I will still leave some plugins on my master bus because that is the sound of my mix. But uh, obviously not like a final limiter, of course. Dude, yeah, of course not. Um, But I will say that he is successfully able to have that glue without ever needing to compress it, right? So oftentimes there's a lot of misconceptions about glue and compression and EQ and you're supposed to make the 200 of the snare snare drum. I'm going to be honest with you, the 200 of snare drum sounds really good, but... It's not always the best move. Like in a reggae song, I want it to like, I don't want it to like hit. Like I don't want that 200. I just want that tap. I want that upper end, that mid, mid-range upper end, right? So it depends on what you're looking at. Um, but again, it comes to the concept of how do you get your microphones of the, all the separate microphones to sound together? Balance, 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 balance. Um, maybe your overheads are a little bit too loud. Maybe they're too quiet. Maybe you've EQ'd out the overhead so much that they're not supporting the rest of the, uh, the, rest of the drum kit. Um, that's a whole other story with overheads where um, you can use overheads for mostly just the cymbals or to catch the entire drum kit. But if you're having issues right now with the separation of all the microphones and you want it to become more together, I would recommend using the overheads to your advantage of... Um, using the body of the overhead to use that as the actual, like, the snare and for the kick drum and stuff. Doing that, maybe flipping the phase on the overheads. That's, again, a whole other thing. I don't know your session. I'm not looking at your session, but just things that I've uh, noticed and picked up and learned and seen from other sessions. Um, But you do not have to compress. You do not have to EQ to fix things. Uh, And that's kind of the point of this episode. EQ and compression is an amazing tool. It's very powerful but can be dangerous. Too much compression is oftentimes more hurtful than it is helpful. Too much EQ can make you start to forget which way is up and will help, will, you, know, help you lose focus on what's important, the meat, of the, the meat and potatoes of what the mix is supposed to be. Um, sometimes, I think, actually, no, not sometimes. I, I really think that one of the most important skills of a mix engineer, and I've said this before, one of the most important skills, and I will say it again because this is very important, one of the most important skills, and again, I'm going to stop you because I'm not going to say it yet because I, <laughs> I know, I know, I just need to spit it out. The most important part of being a mix engineer is knowing when not to do something. That is one of the most important skills and one of the hardest skills to attain. When should you not do something? 
when do you not touch something because it, you know it already sounds good or because you already know what you want the end result to sound like and this fits in your end results. Because the fact of the matter is, if we, if we define distortion as changing the original signal, EQ is distortion. You're changing the sound. You're making the sound um, different. The way that it's not meant to be heard to, to a certain degree, you know, you're, you're making it, enhancing it, but what is enhancing it really? So it's this weird thing where sometimes EQ is not the answer. Sometimes compression is not the answer. Sometimes it totally is the answer. But I think some of us are too quick to grab an EQ before we've tried any of the basics. And some of us are too quick to grab a compressor just because for guitars you're supposed to compress it. And honestly, it can be hurtful. So there's one way to fix this. One way to fix this amazing, amazing, super cheap, simple, free trick right here for you on Mixing Music is that, especially as a beginner, go in, do the EQ, do the compression, and then bypass it and unbypass it. So when you unbypass when you bypass it can you hear a difference and then turn it back on right and when it's on if you can hear a difference does it actually make the sound better then turn it off again and then turn it on again if you're saying i don't know if it does i think it does but i'm not sure or if you don't know at all that it's not you don't know if it's making it better at all or if it's changing it at all then turn it off, leave it off. Wow, you just saved a little bit of your CPU as well as you just made your mix slightly cleaner potentially. Um, now, I don't want to make blanket statements and this entire episode is a blanket statement. I'm not saying that everybody just needs to start using less EQ and less compression. Um, that's not it at all. And I think that using EQ and compression, especially as you're learning, is very important. Um, to know, to learn what compression is supposed to sound like. In fact, I'm going to say this like out loud. Nobody's going to ever, no, nobody's ever going to admit this really, but everybody has felt the same. Nobody can hear compression for like the first, first year or two of like learning how to use a compressor. Like you're not going to hear it. Like it's really subtle. That's like kind of the point of the compressor is to not be able to hear the compressor most of the time. I mean, other than saturation and other than like some, you know, if you're using something that's modeled to make the change of the character to give it a little bit of uh, flavor, right? But most of the time in general, especially like a random ass like waves or like the default compressor on your mix bus or on your DAW, it, it's not supposed to have a sound. That's the entire point. Um, and, and that's why it's so beautiful. But at the same time, if you don't know what it's doing, crank it at least crank it to hear what it's doing and then dial it back until you can't hear it anymore as a way to learn, but also at the same time, and then that point, bypass it, unbypass it. Like if you can't hear a difference then, and you like generally like really try to be critical about this. Like I'm, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to say that you don't have enough ears. What I'm trying to say is you have enough ears, you have good enough ears, but don't be stupid and just do something because someone told you to. Because that is effing up your mix. That is what's keeping it from being better for a lot of people. Not for everybody, 
You know, so take this with a grain of salt. But for some people, y'all are reaching for EQ too fast. Y'all are reaching for EQ too much and do too much. Do it too drastically. One advice that I heard from a podcast called Sound Better with Alex Tumay and a few friends um, is a good idea to start when trying with the EQ is if especially if you have an EQ with a wet dry knob or one like uh Fab Filter Pro Q3 where you can change how much how do you say um changes the volumes for example on the Fab Filter you can put it up to make all the parameters 150% of what you set it at or you can make it 50% of what you set it at so if you set it at 6 dBs of you know boosting at 2k if you set it to 50% then it makes it 3 3 you know 3 dBs um, so one way that on this podcast was recommended when you're starting off with EQ is do what you think sounds good, then go to that dry wet knob or go to that, you know, that power level meter thing and take it down to 50%. Take it down a little bit more. Just like the idea of hitting the compressor until you hear it and then backing it off a little bit. Um, it's the same sort of idea. Getting the EQ to where you can hear it and where it sounds good, and then backing it off just a little bit. Um, then you can hear, I think usually for a lot of beginners, that's going to help you more than anything else. Because, again, I'm saying it, I repeat myself every single show so many times, this is a rookie mistake because we need to learn when not to do something. And it's just one of the ways that we can fix a mix, we can mix down a song, we can enhance a song without ever having the worry of making it artificial without ever having the worry, Steve, why your mics sound separate, right? Um, and uh, if you have any questions, as always, I'm always, and I love to give mix feedback. All you have to do is send an MP3 to mixes at gmail.com. Um, and if you'd like to see how I'm doing on my daily life, uh, hit me up on Instagram. Most importantly, this is a big announcement, y'all. Today, last week, I actually hired an assistant. That's right. DK got an assistant. That's insane, right? Whoa. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with him. Zach, shout out to you if you're listening. Also, if you're not listening, I'm going to ask you if you heard me say this, and I'm testing you, and you're fired if you didn't hear this. Just kidding. That's a joke. You don't have to listen to this podcast, Zach. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that I'm having Zach do is that we are definitely, definitely, definitely moving ahead with the online courses. One of the first courses that I'm going to be putting out is how to mix vocals. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to be sending you stems for multiple different genres with different vocal takes from different mics from different singers. And in this course, I will teach you how I will go through it, what I'm listening for. But most importantly, you get to try it yourself with the same exact the same exact tracks, and I will give you feedback on what I thought. The beautiful point of the lesson is not only how do you make vocals sound better in various mixes, but the thing is, everybody's going to send me a different vocal mix, and things will sound different, and that's the beauty of it, and there is no right answer. There is no one vocal that's cleaner and better than them all, because the fact of the matter is, Wolfpack and Thundercat still exist, and their stuff purposefully sounds bad and it sounds amazing because of the way it did i wouldn't want it to change anyway right there is no right answer they're proof of that um and i think that with this course you'll learn how to do a better job how to ex and also how to accept 
variances of different vocals mixes and most more importantly how to adapt a vocal to that sound because we're not going to talk about specific eq curves 2k 3k and the air band we're going to talk about okay volume okay vibe for example is what is when you're just listening to the song what is the song what is the beat asking for what is the two track asking for is it asking for a dark vocal is it asking for a dark quiet vocal or a really loud pop vocal what is it trying to say to you and how do you interpret it? And that's just one of the things that will be going on with an online course. And we're going together, me and Zach, my assistant, we're going to be getting together and getting a bunch, a bunch of courses. And as soon as it comes out, as soon as it comes out, the first 10 spots will be at over half off. I'm talking like 20 to 25 bucks. And now that I said that on air, I have to commit to it. So I'm talking really cheap. For you get sessions, you get stems, you get to practice, and you get feedback from me. After the first 10 people, the price will go up a little bit. Not too much, but a little bit. So look forward to that. As soon as it's ready, I'll make a podcast episode no matter what day it is on. So you can always check us out. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure that if we release a new episode announcing it, that you're ready for it. You see it. And also... I will be posting it and pushing it hard on my Instagram. So that means it's not just my podcast listeners. You're talking to my friends, the people that have been asking me to put on a course on a personal level. You're competing on the timing with them. First 10 people. Anyway, thank you so much. You've been listening to Mixing Music. Happy mixing and stay saucy. One, two, three. This episode of Mixing Music with DK has been brought to you by LaunchPod Media. If you want to start a podcast, make sure to start it right with LaunchPod Media. Are you trying to find the perfect distribution platform to get your music on Spotify and Apple? I personally use and love DistroKid. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash DistroKid to get a small discount and get access to a platform with unlimited uploads for a yearly fee. Happy uploading and enjoy the show.